No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. Okay, terrific. Language and writing were made available. He'll teach you everything. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. I'm All right. Hi, I'm John. This is John Helps You Write Better. And we're going to continue talking today about every sentence is a camera. Today we are hitting part, uh, what are we on, part four of five? I believe today, let me look back at my note piece of paper here, we are talking about voice. So what is voice? We've talked about voice before, but so here's a quick little crash course. There's authorial voice. That's the writing you do as you to express your ideas. So if you have you know, thoughts and feelings or ideas to get across, however you express them through the characters, through the exposition, through anything, that's what you're saying, and that's how you say it. There's narrative voice, which is what's happening in the story and how you're relaying that to the reader. Sometimes those two voices are the same thing. Sometimes they're two separate things that just kind of hang out together. Sometimes they're at odds with each other because you're trying to draw attention to a greater, bigger picture or point. Those are the basics of voice. How we can turn voice into a tool to develop every sentence as a camera really comes down to having a couple of factors. The biggest one is going to be word choice and sentence structure. So when you're saying a thing, like when you're describing something, question or interrogate why you're using the word that you're using. Why is something whispered as opposed to said? Why does something have to be quiet? Why can a character fall instead of land like simple choices like that you might not know the answer for it might just be i picked that word i didn't want to say said again for the 20th time in a row i just picked a word isn't that enough and sometimes 90 something percent of the time yeah it's totally enough and it's no big deal but sometimes especially when you're trying to put a very particular picture in the reader's head something very specific hey reader picture this thing yeah you're going to want to make sure all the words are doing that level of distinct creation or evocation. Now, there are going to be some writers who worry about the strength of their voice. Is my voice consistent? Is my voice present? Is my voice all over the place? And that's, again, partially going to be handled in word choice. If you're saying what you're saying in such a way that it puts a picture in the reader's head, chances are your voice is at least okay at least passable, is at least the, the amount it needs to be to get the job done. What we need to look for, though, and what we need to pursue just generally in writing is that we're not just doing the amount that gets the job done, but we're looking for opportunities to do far more than that without really taxing ourselves unduly. It's not like we have to adopt some extra academic bullshit voice or we have to go out of our way to sound you know, like our heads are way up our asses. It's more a matter of, Am I expressing the thing I am expressing to the degree I am expressing it? And is it coming out of me the way I want? Your voice is not, however, only determined by your word choice and your sentence structure. Your voice is also determined and shaped 
by the context of the situation you're writing about. So if we have a scene where a character is escaping the law, like they're, they've been almost caught by the town's guard and they have to make good their escape before prison or, or capture or something, you, what, you've got a mood at the heart of that moment. Maybe the plane is going to crash and it's up to one plucky stewardess to grab the yoke and try to fly the plane to safety. Maybe the wizard has to avoid the dragon's fire breath. Maybe the detective has to look for a clue. Maybe there's a a gunfight at noon. Whatever that moment, whatever that thing that's happening, whatever that construction of stuff, there's a mood associated with it. We talked about mood previously. Voice is the vehicle for mood. Voice is how mood reaches the reader. How you say, beyond just the words, but how you determine what that mood, what that feeling is. Remember, we've talked before about questioning, what should the reader feel when they read this sentence? We're going to take that question and we're going to alter it slightly now, expand it a little bit. Because now, instead of just saying, well, what does the reader feel? Yes, no, do they feel it? Now we're going to go for, what do I want the reader to feel? How do I better express this idea? What feeling can I offer them? This is going to require a little bit of emotional flexibility on your part because you've got to be aware of the kinds of feelings you're talking about. If you run into a situation where while you're writing, you're not really sure about feelings, you just want them you know, paying attention and not bored, you're on the right trail, but that's sort of like the shallow, very shallow end of this pool, and I'm hopefully trying to get you to swim in deeper waters. To do that, we have to assume they're engaged. We have to assume they're interested and then go several steps further so that, okay, now they're interested. What else can I give them? Here's a moment. Here's what's happening. Ask yourself this. If the reader is present in this scene... If it, the actions of the scene, this gunfight, this hiding or eluding capture, this whatever's going on, the bank heist, the plane crash, the search for clues, if this is happening and the reader is standing right there, invisibly, transparently, translucently, whatever, however you want to say it, if the story is happening all around the reader, how should the character feel? And how should the reader feel because of how the character feels? How should this moment be? If it was happening to the reader, how should the reader feel? The reader and the character are connected, not just because the reader is reading about what the character is doing, but you're trying to build that bridge of emotional relationship between the two. The character is worried they could get caught or the character thinks or believes or knows or feels that they're always one step ahead of these lazy city guard. So there's an air of confidence, braggadocio. There's an air of feeling superior. Ha ha! And they leap away. You want to impart some of that feeling to the reader. Now, it's a natural question to go, okay, I see that, but how do I do it? And here's how you do it. It comes down to a very straightforward decision of making sure that you have sentences. We're back to word choice and sentence structure. Making sure you have sentences that do convey some amount of how some people in the scene, ideally the main character, but we'll take anybody at this point, some amount of emotional development is happening. We talk about how a character is feeling. We give the reader some kind of framework so they can go, okay, in this moment... 
we have a sentence that says the wizard is scared, and we have a sentence that says the the dragon is acting a certain way. I can put two and two together and figure out what's called the emotional color of the scene. All of your scenes, I don't care what book it is, I don't care how long it is, I don't care what genre it is, every scene has at least one emotional color. Sometimes it's just going to be one. That's fine. But sometimes it's going to have multiple because multiple people are doing multiple things. That wizard and the dragon are two different people in the same scene. They're going to have two different colors. The wizard's fearing for his life. The dragon is overconfident that he's going to snack on a wizard. Their feelings will affect their actions. Because if I'm overconfident that I'm going to chow down on some wizard in a second, I'm going to act in a certain way because I know I got this guy. If I'm the wizard fearing for my life, I have to be very cautious. I have to be very careful. It's not about sort of a, a synesthetic approach where there's, if we're talking emotional colors, we have to assign literal colors. You don't have to go that far. You can if you want, but ultimately that's just for you. This is more a matter of understanding that in a scene, when stuff is happening, characters have feelings. Not just goals, not just hopes, not just abstract details of plot armor or plot need, but they have feelings. And if you're able to describe those feelings as they are having them, not just statements of, they have this feeling, now shut the fuck up, John, and read the rest of the sentence. But if you're able to describe and develop that feeling as though someone else can feel it. So instead of just saying, John is tired right now because I'm recording this late at night, If I talk instead about the symptoms of my tiredness, the fact that my voice is a little scratchy, the voice that I, the the fact that I'm having to stop and pause and drink some water every few sentences while I speak, the fact that I'm having trouble keeping my eyes open, the fact that my thoughts are drifting away to how comfortable my bed is. If I can express those things to you, I don't have to turn around and say something like, hey, I'm tired. You can again add up the facts to get the emotional color, to understand the feeling that I'm expressing through the voice I carry in the story. Now, I want to take this in one more direction before we go, and we will expand on this idea of emotional color and construction tomorrow when we we wrap up every sentence as a camera, when we talk about description and exposition. But for now, one more thing with voice. Your characters, all of them, even if they don't have any lines of dialogue in the story, your characters all have voices. Character voice is part of narrative voice. We don't talk about it so much because usually the character voice we care most about is your narrator voice. In first person or even in third person, it's how that third person character or our first person character goes through the story and the reader follows them. But Sometimes it's worth remembering that Every character has a voice. Now, sometimes you'll get a really kind of hacky writer who will give every character an accent in order for you to understand that, ah, that person is Southern, let's say, or ah, that person has a stammer or a stutter. So we will write the dialogue in a certain way to make sure that you know that they have a sound to their voice as if that's the only sort of thing a voice can have. Sound of a voice matters, sure, but it's not the only thing. My voice is a sound, your voice is a sound. We can describe it with sound adjectives. I think I sound nasally and whiny. Other people might find my voice soothing. 
I don't understand that, but I have to let them have their feelings. Other people's voices are high-pitched or dry or raspy or anything like that. That's not enough to communicate voice because I can be soothing or loud or abrasive or nasally or high-pitched or whiny, but I also have to communicate information in that way. So whiny is how I say what I say, but the word choice I make in speaking underscores or embodies or is improved by knowing that it's whiny. If I'm whining at you, if I'm saying something whinily, I'm probably not going to info dump you with a big giant paragraph about the history of scissors because it's very hard to whine. Hey, scissors were invented at such and such and so and so because that's a weird thing to whine in context. Be very prudent, be very careful, be very aware of your word choice here when we're attaching modulators, words that affect and describe, to speech. Character voice is more than just what they say. It's why they're saying a thing in a certain moment. The, the character escaping city guard who feel overconfident because the, the character knows the guards are lazy. So, ha-ha, we, we scurry away before we're caught. That, that communication of aha, which honestly shouldn't be written down because it sounds stupid, but the, the sense that we are conveying of, oh, I can get away from the guards, it's no big fucking deal, that matters. And we do that through picking our words and making sure what we say is not only appropriate to how we feel, but also appropriate to the moment in which we are saying it. Because it's really hard to have an, aha, I'll get away from the guards moment when we are you know having a big giant lore dump with the sage mentor character. Because that's, again, a weird time to do it. Think about your emotional color for your characters. Think about what each character is saying at the moment they're saying it. Think about how you are communicating how they should sound. And think about whether or not, I know this is a lot of things to think about, but think about if in this moment they're saying the best thing they can in the not necessarily clearest or most minimal way, but in a way that feels as though the reader is standing in the room with them. That's a lot of things to think about. So let's leave it there for today, and we'll come back and attack this tomorrow in a very crunchy version of description and exposition. I'll talk to you then. See ya.